as followers of Jesus Christ, is it our desire to be godly or simply good enough? You're listening to Onward in the Faith with Ray Burns. Ray is dedicated to equipping Christians to understand why they believe what they believe so that they can keep moving onward in their faith toward maturity in Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, visit patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And make sure you visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. Now here's Ray with today's topic. If you listened to that intro and thought, boy, Ray sounds really bad today. I wonder if he's sick or something. You would be correct. I've been fighting off a pretty nasty cold for several days now, and I was hoping my voice would at least be back to a little normal before I had to record, but I'm running out of time to record and then edit before my Wednesday morning deadline, so here we are. Uh, I'm going to make this episode a little shorter than normal, I think, both for the sake of my own voice and your ears, because I have no idea how this is going to come through on the microphone, but I doubt it is my normal silky tones that you're accustomed to. So I hope that you'll just bear with me and enjoy the message, even if the messenger sounds kind of scraggy. But today what I want to talk about is simply purity and holiness. The context for this series is really just observations that I have made as I have seen several Christian celebrities or well-known pastors kind of fall into sin and fall away from the faith in one degree or another. And the reason, again, why this is valuable to us is because even though we may not know what Christian celebrity it is that has fallen recently, the reality is that Christians who become well-known throughout the world are no different than those of us that just kind of go on day-to-day living what we would maybe call the average Christian life. They are faced with the same temptations, they have the same sin nature, and they have the exact same Holy Spirit that we have, who we can either surrender to and follow, or we can fight against him. And so today's topic, I think, is one that a lot of people are going to maybe be able to either relate to or maybe even be convicted by. Because as Christians, I've noticed that it is very easy, both in my own life and in those I talk to, for us to get to a point where we just want to settle for where we're at in our Christian life. We reach a point where we just say, that's good enough. I'm content. People are you know, looking at me and are praising my Christian life or praising my spiritual walk. They think that I'm holy and godly, and so I'm content. I don't need to grow anymore. I don't need to dig deeper. I don't need to study harder. It's good enough. I just want to keep on keeping on. And I think to a degree that's healthy for all of us to reach a point in our lives, not where we are content, but where we maybe take a refresher, take a pause, take a break from constantly digging deeper and simply let things wash over us and enjoy where God has us at the moment. But too often and too easily, that becomes a pattern for our lives where we either stop growing altogether or we are growing so slowly that we see other parts of our spiritual walk kind of backsliding because we are more invested and focused on the things of the world instead of constantly putting our walk with Jesus Christ and our desire for holy living at the forefront of our minds. And so whenever we're thinking about, you know, what is the point of our life or 
whenever we are moving towards our greatest desires in life, what direction are our feet pointing? Are they pointing towards Christ? Are they pointing towards comfort or success or money or a new house? You know, where is it that we are pointing? Where is our focus? I want the whole point of this episode simply to be to call all of us to not just be content with good enough, but to always be striving towards godliness and purity from the world and an overwhelming love for God's holiness. So I want to start this off with Psalm 51 verse 10, which says, Create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, at a certain point in our spiritual walks, most of us, if we haven't had it yet, I would imagine it's coming, but most Christians can tell you about kind of this aha moment they had. If someone kind of grew up in the church, they may have this aha moment later in life. Uh, those who were saved, you know, as adults or teenagers usually seem to have this moment at the point of their salvation. And it's not just, oh, I'm a sinner, I need Christ. It's, it's the reality of now that I am a child of God, now that I am redeemed by the blood of Christ, I now see what the true point and purpose of life is. And that is, of course, to serve God, to love holiness, and to be a, a servant of Jesus Christ in every area of my life, not just a few parts, but in every area I need to treat Jesus Christ as Lord, as master, as king over everything I think and desire and do. Now, like I said, those who grew up in the church, that doesn't always click immediately. You know, if you were saved at you know, five or 10 years old, you know, you may have grown up and Christianity is just thing that you just kind of did. It was commonplace. It was normal to say and do certain things without really having a heart reason behind it, without maybe even understanding why you believe what you believe. But as we take our faith for ourselves, as we take responsibility for understanding the truths of God for ourselves, and not just because of what pastor says or what our parents or our spouse say, but understanding it for ourselves, we reach this moment of, wow, this is what life is really about. All these distractions, all this glitter in the world that says, oh, here's where happiness is, is nonsense. It's garbage. True joy, true satisfaction and contentment is found in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, my own moment was found in uh, really two verses as I was going through discipleship with a good friend of mine. Um, the verse that God really used to just, you know, floor me and really open my mind to what life was and who I was as a child of God was Romans 12, 2, which says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And, you know, for me, my aha went from that verse came that everything in my life I was trying to have two different identities. I was trying to go along and find joy and pleasure in the things of the world, but I was trying to enjoy them as a Christian. And so I had this, I was trying to make two things compatible that were simply incompatible. I was trying to find joy in shadow while shining light into it. And the problem with that for me became that everything that I would try to find satisfaction in would just turn to dust in my hands because everyone else would say that, oh, you know, if you, you know, get goods, if you are comfortable, if you, you know, do this or that, you know, enjoy yourself watching TV or listening to music or, you know, find, find enjoyment and pleasure or whatever, I would seek after these things and they would just not satisfy me. But then 
simultaneously, I would be returning to Christ and say, you know, why isn't this working for me? What's going on? And this is what Romans 12, 2 really opened up to me is that my mind was being conformed to the world. I was letting a secular God-hating worldview tell me what my purpose in life was, where I would find joy and satisfaction. And instead, uh, you know, what stood out to me is that I needed to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. It wasn't about me thinking better. It wasn't about me modifying my behavior. It was by me being changed, willingly surrendering myself to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. You know, that was my aha moment where I stopped kind of trudging along and God really just catapulted me forward in my growth and in my passion and in my love for God and knowing Jesus Christ and studying theology so that it would matter in my own life. And then another verse that God really used in my life, and if you've been around this ministry long enough, you probably see this verse crop up over and over again, because I think that this one is really just kind of the quintessential verse that American Christians need to understand and dwell on and let change how they view life. And that is James 4.4, which says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And again, in my own life, that really spoke to me because my aha moment was, oh, I was trying to be a friend of the world and of Christ. You know, I thought that I was kind of rejecting the things of the world because I was saying the right things. No one was really challenging me. But deep down, I realized that I was trying to let the world tell me what contentment and satisfaction was. And it was not compatible with my identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so whatever your own aha moment was, I think all of us would say that we love that moment because that is when we really just glimpse the true majesty of God. We feel the weight of his holiness in our lives. And most often, whenever this moment comes, we see ourselves just on a fast track to radical spiritual transformation. Our lives change, our thoughts change, our worldview changes because we want to let go of everything that we realize has been holding us back in our lives. And instead we run, you know, really full tilt at pursuing Jesus Christ. And so we love that moment. It's great. It's amazing. It's, it's transformative to everything about us. But if we aren't careful, it is so easy. It is dangerously easy for us to lose that passion for Christ without even realizing it. Those things that once seemed new and exciting and life-changing eventually just become commonplace. You know, think about whenever maybe you really got involved in loving to read God's word. You know, things just started kind of clicking into place. You kind of understand how the language worked. You started seeing things from the Old Testament get revealed in the New Testament. You started seeing a bigger picture of who God was. That's an amazing thing. And, you know, you know, I've, I've talked to some people, you know, they tell me about how they just, they cry out in fear and awe. You know, they find themselves in tears just sitting on their floor at the weight of who God is. But those same people can find themselves kind of frustrated because they don't feel that same excitement anymore. The reality of who God is, is no longer this new and exhilarating thing. It's assumed it's you know we've we've gotten to know god to such a degree not that we can ever fully know him but we've gotten to know him to such a degree that the fact that he is so holy may not 
be as radical for us anymore. The fact that he is so good and forgiving and generous and gracious and merciful. We love those things about him always. But, you know, five, ten years ago, maybe those things impressed upon our lives a more radical change than maybe they do today because our lives have over time become more formed around who God is. We've gone in line in following a life that pursues Jesus Christ. And so these things can become commonplace in a way that isn't bad because it it just marks a new step in our relationship with God and how we understand him and how we relate to him. But at the same time, it can we can almost start to take for granted the beauty of who God truly is, and we stop seeing it with the eyes of a fresh new believer. And instead, we just become almost like an old curmudgeon just sitting on a rocking chair on the porch just saying, yeah, I've seen it all before. And so where once we had this refreshing experience where we would you know, serve Christ and everything would be fresh and new and we would just find excitement with purging sinful desires from our lives, you know, now it can just become a day-to-day thing. You know, We can forget the foolishness that God brought us out of And in time, like I said, what we can end up doing is finding ourselves settling for good enough in our walk with God and in our pursuit of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, this point of settling is going to vary between individuals. Some people may settle for simply reading their Bible every day or maybe even teaching a Sunday school class or children's church or, you know, serving as a deacon in their church. And they'll say, okay, I've arrived. I've, I've finally gotten to this point where I'm good. I don't feel the need to keep growing. I don't feel the excitement. And so, you know, without realizing it, we kind of let our emotions tell us, oh, well, if I'm excited about growing, then I'll grow. But if I don't feel excited about it, then I'm not going to study more. I'm not going to dig deeper. I'm not going to seek out sin in my life and find ways to enjoy God's holiness and righteousness and even share that with others. Uh, you know, but still others may find themselves in the position that kind of spawned this whole discussion. And that is, you know, when there may be a pastor or a so-called Christian celebrity, and they get to this point where they feel like, wow, I'm at the pinnacle of Christianity right now. I mean, where do you go from being a pastor? You know, where do you go from being someone who maybe travels the country or even travels the world where people know your name and you don't even know their faces? You know, and so it can you we can all in our foolishness reach this point where we just think, okay, I've arrived, I'm here, this is good enough, this is peak Christianity for me. And so whatever it is, at whatever point we lose focus, what ends up happening is that the God that we were constantly moving towards, that we were constantly pursuing, and find ourselves in different positions in that pursuit of him. You know, because we become you know, we read our Bibles to pursue God. We teach in church or serve in church as part of our service to God. You know, men become pastors and people write books, not to impress people, but because the, their overall goal, their overall desire is to please and serve their God. And by extension, God uses them to reach others as a pastor, as an author, as a public speaker. And so what, when we find ourselves to a point where, you know, we are here because we're pursuing God, now we lose sight of that. We stop moving forward. We stop moving onward in our faith. And we just say, I'm, I've arrived. This is good enough. I just want to rest. I want to enjoy the things I've missed out on. You know, whatever it is that distracts us, the God who was once forefront in our minds, 
who was once the full picture that we were looking at and moving towards, now gets pushed further and further to the back of our minds, of our hearts, and of our lives. You know, and we see this even in the Bible. You know, we've got the the book of Ephesians, the, the letter that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus. And we can actually kind of see what happened to this church. Uh, if you go read Revelation chapter 2, you can see that this church isn't doing necessarily so great. And uh, in Revelation 2, verses 4 through 5, uh, it says, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So these stories that we hear of pastors or teachers who were once held in high esteem and in high regard and having it revealed that they've been faking it for months or for years, it's a heartbreaking thing to hear about because we often think, wow, these are the men and women who, if anyone was going to be you know, strong in their faith, it has to be them, right? But they are just as prone to falling as we are. They are just as easily led astray from their first love as any of us are. And so, you know, we see kind of on display the lives of these people who, you know, they once, you know, I I truly believe they once had a true passion for the truth of God's word and a desire to serve him with all their lives. But through circumstances and ultimately making compromises in their lives and in their service to Christ, everything about their life becomes hollow. Their service to God is just lip service. It's outward appearances when inside they are rotting away in their sin and in their pursuits of what they're desiring more than God. And so even though we see these people who they say the right things, they seem to live the right life, deep down their hearts are just rotting away. And so these people serve as a warning to us you know, just like anyone in our own church, in our own lives, even our own lives, right? Any Christian who finds themselves struggling with sin can be a warning to us and a reminder to us that none of us are perfect. None of us are free from the danger of falling away from our love and our passion for Jesus Christ. And in our our constant desire to remove ourselves from the world, to remove our minds and our hearts and our desires from what the world calls good, None of us are immune. None of us are going to reach this point of perfection where we can say, I've arrived. I don't need to keep moving forward. I don't need to keep going onward in my faith. We'll never get there. And whenever we fall into sin, whenever someone we know falls into sin, or especially when the life of a well-known Christian is kind of tragically put on display for the world to see, we realize that if we are not constantly pursuing purity in our lives— constantly trying to remove the desires of our fleshly nature, if we are not constantly on guard against that that old rotten sin nature that made us enemies of God in the first place, and its constant pull towards sin, then we're going to end up just like all these cautionary tales that we should be learning from. Because ultimately, there's only one true way to avoid falling away from our God. And that is by realizing that the Christian life doesn't have an idle state. By idle, I mean like sitting still, being stationary. There's nothing about the Christian life that can remain idle. Either we are moving forward or we're falling away. 
And this isn't just kind of a one and done thing, but in different areas of our lives, we can be moving forward while in other areas we're falling back. We're falling into sin and the desires of the world and giving into our flesh. And so I just want to end this discussion with kind of a good reminder we have from Paul in Colossians about this this idea that we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep going on and keep seeking and pursuing Jesus Christ in all of our lives and in every moment in every day, you know, and that we don't do it out of fear. We don't do it because we don't want God to be mad at us, but because we know that Jesus Christ is the true and ultimate and only source of joy and satisfaction in this life. And so as we are putting to death, those things that we once turned to as idols in our life, we need to not just be content with stopping bad behavior, but instead replacing it with service to our God. So in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, Paul says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. Now, when I was preparing for this episode, I told myself, I'm just going to read this passage in Colossians and I'm just going to leave it alone because I don't know that my voice and my lungs are going to hold out. But, you know, as I talk about this, I'm just too excited. So, Let's talk just a little more about this passage in Colossians before I wrap up this episode. So Paul starts off by saying, if you've been raised with Christ, do this. What does he say? He says to keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is. In other words, it's not, there's no understanding in this passage about us just getting to a point where we've reached peak Christianity. We're at the pinnacle. We're at the top of what we can expect in this life. No, it is a constant pursuit. It is an active state of mind. We are to keep seeking, to continue, to keep moving on as we pursue the things of Christ. And then he says to set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You know, a lot of times in the New Testament, especially Paul's writing, there's this kind of replacement idea that I think as we're trying to kill sin in our lives, we forget. We think that to stop sinning, we just need to stop sinning, right? We need to just eliminate a thing from our lives and then we're good. But no, if we want to put off sin, it has to be replaced with something else. We need to always be pursuing something. We need to be turning to something for satisfaction in our lives. And so here, Paul very very clearly lays out, we can either set our minds on things of the earth, or we can set our minds on things that are above. So in every area of our lives, that's what we can be asking ourselves. As I desire a spouse, as I desire friendship or money or success or to live pain-free or sickness-free or whatever it is that we are thinking about in our lives, am I desiring it because I am trying to honor my God and serve Jesus Christ with this desire? Or am I wanting the same things that someone who is an enemy of God can want? Am I wanting it for the exact same motivations that those who are enemies of the cross can want it? 
and that can reveal to us whether our minds are on things of the earth or if they're on things above. Um, And then kind of going on a little bit, it says, therefore, in other words, because we want to set our minds on things above, because we want to keep seeking Jesus Christ, here's what we do. We should treat the parts of our earthly body as dead, as immune, as having nothing to do with things like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. In other words, we need to keep our lives unstained from the things of the world. And we don't do it to be better people. We do it as a result of wanting to be closer to Jesus Christ. And that is what we really need to get is as we are thinking about why we want to be pure, why we want to to be holy and set apart from the world, why we want to be different and weird and possibly even hated by the world, we don't do it so that we can impress our God, so that we can be better people, because we know that we are incapable of pleasing God on our own. Instead, it's because we want to keep seeking the things above, because we want to set our minds on Christ, that we will hate things like cheating on our spouse, whether physically with another human being, whether looking at pornography, whether just having impure thoughts, you know, things like impurity and everything that that entails, right? Because impurity really encompasses that whole James 4, 4 thing about being friends with the world and, and dirtying ourselves with the passions and the idols that the world sets up, you know, wrong passions and evil desires and greed which amounts to idolatry. You know, idolatry, as we've discussed in the past, I'm pretty sure on this podcast, idolatry is not just building a wooden statue or carving something out of stone and praying before it. An idol is just anything that we are turning to for satisfaction and salvation from whatever circumstances we're in. So for a lot of people, that Amazon Prime can be a very serious idol because I'm bored, I'm angry, I'm anxious, I'm nervous you know, I'm going to have something shipped to me in two days and that will make me happy. That's a very clear idol in our lives. You know, and why do we want to avoid these things? Why do we want to hate them and put them off so that we can put on Christ? Well, as Paul says, it's because of these things, because of these wrong desires that the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. In other words, those who are not children of God. And in these things, we also once walked when we were living in them. In other words, these are not to be a part of a Christian life. We can't somehow Christianize greed. We can't Christianize lust or impurity. As a follower of Jesus Christ, either we are a part of the world and a worldview and a world system that hates God, or we are a part of the mindset and the lifelong pursuit of Jesus Christ, seeking to love and serve and please him above all else. So I just want to wrap this up and say that, you know, Christ didn't just save us from the penalty of our sin. Jesus Christ isn't just a get out of hell free card. He also brought us into a new life today, now, that is free from going in the same direction as the world. And so understanding that, understanding what our purpose in life is and the importance and the necessity of being pure from the world. We can't dirty ourselves with these temporary and imperfect things that we once pursued, that we sinfully turned to for salvation and comfort. Instead, we need to keep ourselves mentally and spiritually and emotionally pure by setting our desires on Jesus Christ alone. 
because the life that he calls us to isn't stationary. It doesn't reach a peak in this lifetime, but instead it's a daily pursuit of our perfect, pure, and holy God. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onward in the Faith. This is a listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can visit me at patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. I pray this episode helps you keep moving onward in your faith toward maturity in Christ.